Ladies and gentlemen, this is El Cochino, Tom Lawler, and I'd like to welcome you to the podcast that puts the lotion on its own skin, Lucha World. Bitchin'. waking up. My name is Rip Van Drummond, and I have been asleep for a very long time. It's been ages since uh, I've been over to the uh, states of Walnut Kills, California, where the foremost lucha historian, Alfredo Esparza, resides. And I am awake, and we're doing the first, first Lucha World podcast in eons. Lucha World podcast episode 130. You know, the weird thing is, like, I think we should be in the 300s by, or 500s by now. If we, we actually did it, if we did it more frequently. But, I mean, just from my experience of doing other podcasts and then other people doing podcasts of Lucha Libre, uh, maybe, like, if you're in Mexico, it makes sense to do it weekly. It's very difficult to, like, continue to do these shows on a regular it's basis. It's true. That, yeah, and, 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 well, the thing is, I haven't listened to many wrestling podcasts lately other than, you know... Uh, the six oh fives or you know, the, the re- wrestling observer podcast, but but or or, or you know what the 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 clip versions of Jim Cornette's podcast on on YouTube the history the yeah just because, because there's, yeah there's you know history. and it's not a knock towards Jim Cornette or or that podcast it's just that I don't really care about his I already know what his thoughts are on current res- current wrestling so yes. it's like I don't really need to read hear it all the time plus I don't really care about. I don't really care about every single match in AEW. Neither do I. It's, yeah, I think that's, I, <laughs> or WWE especially. I, I don't have an interest in doing so, so many podcasts. They go so they cover each match so intricately. Yeah, you know, that it's like they they go over every the angles and everything. And you know, the one benefit of being a CMLL fan is we have no angles to cover. <laughs> 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 Although I don't. I mean, I wish they had some, but it's like. And I am I am very much uh, Rip Van Winkle because I have watched less lucha than I think I have in years. You, you know, it was weird when the pandemic hit. I mm-hmm. thought maybe we were going to watch more wrestling, mm-hmm. and I think I watched less wrestling. <laughs> I found other things to do. Like, <laughs> I, and I, I I think I've watched more older wrestling just because that's my um, that's what I've been really into. So it's not it had a lot of the current stuff, and then there was a period where there was no current wrestling. Yes. Also, there was there, there wasn't as much. Unless you watch AWWWE, but like AAA, CML, and all those in the Mexico were pretty much dormant for a while, mm-hmm. or they would do like maybe a couple of tapings, then disappear for a little time, come yes. back, 
And to be honest, how how much CMLL can you possibly watch? No, and I I I I mean, my heart is still with CMLL in a lot of ways, but no, I just can't. And especially this, this empty is, arena, especially empty arena lucha, it sounds horrible. And it, it was, is, and it was horrible a lot for the most part. Yeah, and and, and it's it's funny that CMLL still has such great talent, but yet. And they've lost a lot, too. They've lost a lot. And even with the good talent they have, you're still just kind of... Mailing it. A lot of mailed-in matches. A lot of mailed-in matches. Uh, You know, and we'll get to this in a few minutes, but when I was watching a few of the uh, matches from the 88th anniversary show, that's exactly what I thought. The moves are being done really well. Uh, For the most part, they're solid. Yeah. But still, it looks like the guy's... Like are are aren't into it. Yeah, yeah. It's like yeah, we're just doing a show. Yeah, gestures they're making to the uh, crowd seem just kind of like half-hearted. Yeah, I and you know, I don't know if that's just my perception. No, no. This is that's what I was gonna. That's what we're gonna talk about because that's one of the main problems I have with CMLL. Yes. Um, but yeah, like the the last couple of months, really, there hasn't been a, a lot. Like with AAA, obviously, you have like they've done Triple Mania, they do Heroes and Mortales, they still have their. TV shows. The trouble with AAA right now is that um, if Cubs fan isn't recording the show, there is no way anybody outside of Mexico can watch the show mm-hmm. because it's they're because of the lawsuit they're they're still going through. Yes, they can't. They your their YouTube channel is invisible to the rest of the world. Basically, like you're not watching anything, which is scary. I, I was, I I know when I look for CMLL items, you find it right away. I, I find some right away, but you know. They used, they used to give everything away practically for free. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now suddenly they're not really doing that as much. And I don't think they have a product that people are going to want to shell out a lot of money to see. And Kurt is Kurt is dealing with Puebla withdrawals, something that we've oh. talked about. You know, he has not watched. That was one of the shows that isn't available now. Arena Puebla, for whatever reason, isn't streamed. Um, <sighs> the Tuesday show isn't streamed either, although those... The Tuesday show, they have, you know, they have TV shows. It ends up making its way onto, I, I think Cubs Sam records it and puts yeah. it up. But it's like, it's Tuesday. You know, Tuesday shows <laughs> are shit no matter what. Well, thank God for Cubs fan because, yeah, Puebla, I, I... And there's no Puebla because they're not recording. I they're recording Puebla it, but there's no... Yeah. I, I Oh, man, I, I haven't listened to the Kelly family in almost a year. Uh, but, you know, you remember the last couple of, like, you, you quit watching Puebla, so it's like... <laughs> I did quit well, yeah. watching Puebla, but whenever I listen to the Kelly family, it makes me want to listen to Puebla. I listen. Boy, am I dyslexic today or what? And am I misinterpreting everything and um, mispronouncing everything? But uh, yeah, I can't listen to the Kelly family because it makes me so sad that I can't turn wow. on Puebla. Yeah, I don't watch Puebla, but I like being able to have the opportunity. Yeah, to. I think that's the that's the thing that I I kind of, it bothers me with CML is that they have so much stuff that they could actually make like Guadalajara is another stuff show that they could put up. Yes, because Guadalajara they're not even like some of the shows don't even have a lot of the it's a lot of their local guys going up against guys from other territories, so it it kind of seems a little different. But it's like you're not. You're not, um, we can't see it, <laughs> you know, and it'd be kind of cool if we could see it. Um, might be bad, but at least you have that option of like, hey, maybe I'll, wa- I'll watch it. Because sometimes I would actually, believe it or not, I would turn on Puebla even after I stopped watching it. Yeah. But if I was folding clothes or doing stuff around yeah. the house, you know, I, I, I just dug that little arena. It's yeah, just, yeah, it's different. It's yeah, a different arena. Yeah. Um, so, 
you know, really, I think the big talk for CML for the most part, it hasn't really been the shows themselves, but really who's leaving the promotion and whether or not there's like like financial issues. Obviously, there's going to be financial issues with both promotions just because, you know, COVID pretty much has... COVID has changed the landscape yeah, for, well, uh, you know, probably most wrestling. And, and neither, neither promotion has really been able to recover from, you know, really AAA with the lawsuit. Going That's on, what I want to ask going you on. about. Do you think? Well, well I should. I should go. Do you think if Cubs fan didn't record the shows and make them available, mm-hmm. do you think anybody outside of Mexico and or or people that follow lucha like m- myself or you mm-hmm. or or Cubs fan or Rob Viper guy people like that, um, you know the ten people that watch lucha all the time, <laughs> um, do you think anybody else would have noticed that AAA isn't available no. to the rest of the world? No, they, they probably wouldn't. They'd be like, oh, it's not available. It, it Maybe just, there's just the hardcore die. Yeah, hearts. would know. And it's like it, it, that. That blows my mind that that that's going on with them because you know it's really strange. In fact, you know, bef- before we started the podcast, I've been so out of the loop. I knew there was a lot going on in Mexico, especially with talent leaving. Yeah, CMLL. So. Uh, could you, in a nutshell or not in a nutshell, however long you want to talk, explain both uh, well, talent, I think, talent leaving in the lawsuit? Because I, I am so. I, uh, well, well, before I get to the lawsuit, how disappointed are you to find out that Vangelis left CMLL? Oh man, does that mean they're not going to have any more not, of those Nazi characters? <laughs> yeah, and also I am going to miss those video packages where they show him at home in his little one-room apartment wearing his fanny pack. <laughs> That's right, he's one of those guys. <laughs> him, local Max, all those guys. Yeah. I that those always baffled oh, me. It's almost like that was loud. Biker gang. Oh, <laughs> the oh biker man. Gang. It is El Espectro de Chris Colt. Well, you know, the one thing that's changed in this podcast in the last couple of years has been there are no no longer any train sounds as the train track. Remember, they closed it down, remember? They did? Yeah, they I did. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's, it's, they, they blocked it off. It's done. That's it's, it's been be, something like, I think, the last two years or so. I bet people who are commuting are happier than ever. Yeah, yeah they don't stop or anything. It's really weird because it's like you're so used to, like, stopping in that in that. In that on that street, and you know, waiting for the the, the sometimes that the, the the train will you get the signal and and so you have to wait. Yeah, the train situation is. Uh, I am California proud forever, Southern California proud, but man, they don't think things out when they construct streets and highways here, <laughs> and the way they built houses around all these little streets that had a lot of railroads uh, surrounding it. Commuters had to wait forever and ever. Elena would be late getting home. Sometimes she'd be an hour late to work just wow. because a train went by. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. So she's going to be so happy. Yeah, this train, it's gone. It's gone. So it's, it, it, that's one of the down, the, the, the also um, the little baby that used to cry mm-hmm. has grown up a little bit, doesn't cry as much now. Oh. Remember the, the little, the Asian baby that would yes, <laughs> walk every time? Yes. Oh, yes. Now, now it's just me who cries. It's, it's, now it's just you. But, um, but with CMLL, um, I'm trying. Oh, while you were asking me, well, the lawsuit, basically, it's all because of the Lucha Underground thing, where um, I guess the the AAA Mexico side, Dorian Roldan, the Roldans, mm-hmm. um, I guess they weren't sharing the revenue from the YouTube channel and all this other stuff that they were doing mm-hmm. with their partners that were part of Lucha Underground and all this stuff because they pretty much own <laughs> AAA and outside of 
Mexico, basically. They, they basically own they basically own a portion of it. So in some form, they it, it might. I think that might end up being what happens at some point. I mean, they, they might actually have to ask, you know, get a cut of the company or something. I don't know what's going to happen, but but it's kind of like it's been going on since I think before the pandemic. Wow. It actually started around the time of the pandemic. So, um, which really made it difficult because that was one of the things I was talking about when, when the pandemic came. And I was saying, well, there's going to be more time to watch Lucha and all this stuff. And then that happened. And it's like, wow, what a bad time for that to happen. Because now you don't have the time. AAA is not going to be, you can't really watch the old episodes or whatever they have on their YouTube channel unless you're in Mexico or you have, you use a VPN or, you know, you're somebody that's going to risk, you know, doing something with your with your computer to to watch it. Wow! Last last I heard, it was Lucha Underground who was being total dicks to the wrestlers. Yeah, yeah. Right. So and it's like so now it's like it's just your usual wrestling wrestling lawsuit type of thing, yeah. you know, mixed in with mixed in with attorneys and stuff. <laughs> but with CMLL, like all the guys that have left, basically, um, not a lot of work in CMLL during the pandemic, and um, the work that there was mostly went suspiciously only to Ultimo Guerrero, um, his certain guys that are like the big stars. He is like a modern-day Kinect from the UWA days where it was Kinect, Kinect, Kinect everywhere in yeah. the late 80s, early 90s. Yeah, so the other guys weren't getting work, so mm-hmm. what do you do? You leave. <laughs> that's Absolutely. that's what happened with Vangelis. Um, I think each of them left for different reasons. Like NGD kind of, um, when NGD left, they... They kind of got talked into living by Conan. I can picture because of options and stuff. And you know, it's funny because I think one of the projects that they said they were going to be a part of didn't happen. <laughs> I could picture Which, that too. Can, yeah, I so, could picture so, that too. So, and you know, it, 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 they might say they'll probably say it's not true that it was so, it wasn't solely that, but there's a mm-hmm. there's a reason for, they they talked about it. Um, the, the brothers brought um, while well, Quatrero and and Forastero were saying that um, they didn't talk to him directly. Sanson was the one that was talking to Conan more often. And so I think they realized they were doing the same stuff in CMLL and left. And they, you know, they left and they, they supposedly left in good terms where they're, you know, they told them that they, they were leaving. Um, let, let, they actually let CMLL send out that, um, that press release that NGD was no longer part of the promotion and all their titles right. are vacated <laughs> and all this stuff, which is one of the other things. Um, Mystical, that situation, I think, was also more of a realization that he wanted to go with his family yeah. and be a part of that. Because, um, I mean, awesome. I think it's kind of funny that, I mean, and to be fair, I don't think he was that big of a loss. To me, the biggest loss of the, and Estrita also left, although nobody ever asked about Estrita leaving, mm-hmm. <laughs> which tells you how, <laughs> but you know what it how is. How much do they value the women's? Uh, well, now they value them a lot more. Um, I, it, I think she might have made a mistake. Wow, um, so is, is, is there... Well, because everybody's leaving, so it's like, if that many guys leave, you need to, like, elevate somebody. Oh, definitely. The women's division has kind of gotten a little bit more of a... Of a so, I mean, they, they headlined the anniversary, so... So even though, like, I didn't watch every women's match because even back in the day they got really repetitive. Oh, it's still the same but, thing. But is it still, how, how about quality-wise, match-wise? Um, same it's thing, up or? and down. It's up, up and down. down. Okay. They've kind of, remember all those years where we were talking about how you can't really continue on with Amapola, Marcella, yes. Dallas as the lone women getting the big opportunities? 
Mm-hmm. Well, now they kind of spread it around to everyone. <laughs> like, like everybody gets it. <laughs> but you know, the good well, thing is that's kind of cool. Yeah, but the good thing is like they've elevated Harochita, who's really like now the best worker in the promotion oh. of the females. Of the females, she's really the best one. Mm-hmm. So she's kind of up there. We'll talk about it a little more. But um, with the people that are leaving, with um, Estrita, the reason that they don't really bring it up is also she was doing a lot of um, she's going to school to be a uh, to be like in medicine, some sort cool. of uh, medical career. Um, well, Mystico and Esterita, I give it, they have very good reasons for uh, one going to school and the other following, going, going with family. That's how I think. Be. I think the reality is also, because it's very similar, like with Tejano Jr., mm-hmm. when he left AAA, um, I don't know if you even knew he left AAA. Of course um, not. <laughs> uh, he, he left AAA. He, what he wanted to do was team up with his brother on the independence. That's cool. Which... I mean, it seems kind of, I think he was, he probably was making the same amount of money where it's like, yeah, I'll just leave. And he also got work um, with um, that group that's working with Alberto Patron, the Robles promotion. What's the story with that group at this time? <laughs> they run shows, but it's like, it's like just another indie promotion. They yes. use a lot of talent. Um, they use Alberto. They use a lot of AAA guys too, but mm-hmm. um, like Psycho Clown, Pagano. But then they also use a lot of guys who have left other promotions. Cinta de Oro, which mm-hmm. still pisses me off that Sin Cara called, chose that name to be called Cinta de Oro. That's bizarre. Because Cinta de Oro was the Juarez yeah, guy. The like, Juarez guy. Yeah, he was a legend. He was of my favorite the, wrestler. Yeah, yeah. He, of all the people, you have brought him up more. The only person I think of more than him, or as much as him, when I think of Juarez is uh, Rocky Star. Yeah, Rocky Star, the yeah. Guerreros, obviously. Yeah. Um, but it's like, Ari Romero's another one, but oh, really it's it's Rocky cool. Star, Cinta de Oro, and the Guerreros that are really the, the main, the core group. Um, but... I don't know, like like all those guys leaving, it. The only one that I really think was a big loss was NGD, and even them, like their matches were so repetitive. Yes. So I don't know if it necessarily was. It looks bad because you're losing talent and you're not really like adding anybody that's significantly going to improve the the rest of the roster. So instead of like you know instead of it, like mm-hmm. instead of having NGD, being in repetitive matches, now you have like Okumura being on every single Friday show. Dark Magic getting a bigger role. Um, mm-hmm. Certain guys who aren't really that good. Well, kind an of artist up. could have the greatest model in the world, but if he just draws the same sketch over and over, if the Booker is just doing the same yeah. thing over and over, what you know? It, it's a shame because I the Dean, Junior Dinamitas, they're my favorite trio of the last few years. Yeah, they yeah. they 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 resparked like my passion for trio matches. I think the problem with them was that they were just in CML just with repetitive matches Mm -hmm. but I also think they might have like I think they might be a little burned out on wrestling Uh, I kind of get the feeling that they don't well Quattro's the one that was really good mm -hmm. Sansone was more charisma and Forrest Star was kind of in the middle of both of them but it kind of feels like once Quattro kind of started being a little bit getting that the the rub Kind of no, a you more, know, more the uh, no, no, not the rub. You know, like the thing that hit, like all, what you're saying about the CML guys that they looks like they're just going through the motions. Yes, he kind of has that also. So it's like it kind of feels like because even in, in AAA, I kind of haven't really been that. Um, it's still kind of a little bit. It's gonna t- it's gonna take a while for them to like kind of get. They gotta get inspired, and I think that's the problem. A lot of these guys aren't. I think some guys are real, that work well all the time are just inspired naturally. Yes, and then there's other guys who just like they need something. Well, in fact, I was gonna bring up. Uh, I only watched two and a half matches of the CMLL 88th anniversary show. And, you know, in tribute to my one of my favorite sitcoms ever, Two and a Half Men, I watched two and a half matches. Yeah. Uh, and 
and you you live to tell about it. <laughs> yeah, I coped through it. I it was like it was like a, an endurance, like thirty minutes. I watched for thirty whole minutes. But seriously, the two who just look, still looked really dynamic in their match were uh, Volador Jr. and uh, uh, Titan. Yeah, because they, they're self-motivated. They're guys yes. who are self-motivated. Like, Titan is really good. And Volador Jr., you, he already knows what he's going to do, and he does it well. Like, what he does, mm-hmm. it's very repetitive, but what he does, he does it well. Um, and it's really up to his opponent that to bring in what they can do to make it a better match. And the guys yeah. they wrestled weren't that great. Oh, I know. I know. When, when I was watching the... But, but you know what sucks about that match was that's where Mystico's departure hurt, who's now Dralistico, because that was going to be Mystico Caristico versus Volador Jr. Titan, which would have been a great match. And we end up getting him El Diablo 1-2. <laughs> um, but it's like... It's like it, I, think it, I think what makes... what. The best way to like describe CML is like just look at what they did with Mystico. Mm-hmm. As soon as he left, what they do? They just gave it to the other guy, you know, Caristico. Now you're Mystico again, and people were happy with it. Yes, just tells you how little they thought of Mystic. The other I, Mystico. I, I think that I think the way <laughs> Mystico should handle it is he should uh, like nudge some, find some like. He's getting a lot of bookings now. Yeah, too. Well, I think he should nudge some uh, celebrity friends who are in the music industry to write. A song that uses all of his names that he's wrestling because yes. they all rhyme most yeah. of them. Yeah. Well, but, but when I saw Hamelus Diablo, uh, one, you know, being a very they're old not person, they're they, not Hamelus Diablo no. original. The original Hamelus Diablo were a gem. Yeah, even when they were getting older here in LA, they were still awesome. They yeah. were great rudos. They could be great technicos yeah. if they wanted to. I'll never forget them, seeing them in a match at San Bernardino Arena with the Gibson brothers, Robert and Ricky. A very underrated tag team, too. Yes. The Gibson brothers. I I recommend people go look for Gibson brothers tag matches. Amen. Because they were amazing. Like, like I, that's what opened my eyes more to Robert Gibson afterwards. Because initially, I always thought Ricky Martin's the great one, you know, because Ricky Martin could do everything. Yes. And Robert Gibson was just really good. Yes. Well, if you watch the Gibson brothers, first of all, the Gibson brothers, Rick Gibson was really good. Like, I don't even, I don't even, I'm not even making it up, right? Yes. Rick Gibson was an excellent wrestler. Robert was also an excellent wrestler. So now you kind of see why those guys were good. Absolutely. If you could have seen this match, I, there might, I don't know, there might be a televised match between the two teams from the Olympic, but I kid you not, and I know this isn't just my rose colored glasses. They were doing mat wrestling like, wow. I mean, fast mat wrestling, back and forth, back yeah. and forth. It was probably <laughs> only about a 20 minute match, but it was awesome. And when you watched the Hamilos Diablo, the new version, you were like, whoa, whoa. Now, what I will say, they're much better selling than they are delivering the package. Yeah. They, they, I think they sell really well, but man, just es- executing... Executing, like, and they were doing power moves, which you would think, yeah. okay, these are big guys they could do against really smaller guys, because Titan is, you know, he should be... And Volador Jr., we've seen this flexibility. Yes. You would have thought, I know, I thought that match was... was it looked almost like, yeah. a, a, like a lengthy squash match. Not a squash match, but where... A match you'd see on TV where there's back and forth, but one team you can tell is the team that's going down. And... The other thing that Hamedos Diablo really have to do, I know they're paying homage to the originals with their outfits, 
but they gotta get rid of those straps because they spend half the match adjusting their straps. <laughs> My God. Remember um, Triton when he used to lift up his pants? Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I think I think somebody asked him one day why he did that all the time. He's like, and he said it was because it was it, it moved and he was also getting nerve. He I think it was nerves also. Ah, um, that's but, pretty honest. Yeah, but before we talk about this, we should talk about Dos Leyendas because they actually. Um, this was basically the show that was going to be held in March 2020. And they actually were going to headline with Carvanario and Felino. Mm-hmm. And because of the pandemic, they weren't, and because they wanted to do it in front of a crowd because it was a hair match. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they got to give them a cut of what the attendance is. <laughs> they, um, they waited till September. And they decided to do a double big show event in September. Basically, both would be celebrating the anniversary. And this one was going to be a. Dos Leyendas, which was honoring, of course, Lutu Roth mm-hmm. and Sangre Chicana. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and look, they kept the same main event. I think they changed the entire rest of the card because so many guys left. With the Diamante Azul left, another mm-hmm. guy. How happy were you when Diamante Azul left? I I, I was so jazzed. I, I didn't realize there'd be so many negatives about the other people leaving. But uh, no, uh, Diamante Azul leaving any promotion is a gift to that promotion and its but, fans. But just the just. Diamante Sul, when he left, held the national heavyweight title while in CMLL. Have you been following the drama behind that title caused by Diamante Sul? No, I have not. My goodness, you should look it up. You should just go through the the. the I think it's on. I think if you go to Cubs fan or Lucha Report or Lucha Ball, uh, my Lucha World site, you'll find the the reports. Every week, a press conference, either by the commission complaining about Diamante Sul. And threatening him, <laughs> Diamante Sul threatening the commission. Um, CMLL wanted no part of this uh, of that ti- uh, of the situation, so they're still they still have the title. They're mm-hmm. gonna hold the tournament at some point, but they basically decided that uh, because there were so many issues, that's why they switched the, over the Hechicero mm-hmm. match to him versus Ultimo Girl for the CML World Heavyweight Title at the anniversary. But it has been so constant that I think I don't think I mean, um, Dinamitas when they left, mm-hmm. they were the national trios champions. Mm-hmm. They did not complain, and I think they held one of the the singles titles. I think the middleweight title, the one that opted. No, the I think they held. They held, I think the other title was a CML title, but they they held the national trios titles. Mm-hmm. No complaint. They left them. They could keep them. They didn't care. Mm-hmm. Diamante Azul has made it his mission to hold that title forever. He even created the independent Mexican national heavyweight title just because he needed to have that title. What a mark. <laughs> but isn't that like the stupidest thing like like I just look at that guy and I'm like I, I hated him already because I hurt his reputation as a, as being an asshole and that one time he shoved um, the little parrot around yes uh, which I thought was the worst like the most desp- despicable that thing someone despicable. could do um, and the way he and the times the New Japan guys would come in and he would try to do a, his own angle with them remember <laughs> I remember he did that with Okada and Okada was just like what the fuck are you doing like what's going on here <laughs> I'm not going to wrestle you. Um, but it's like, he left, and that's been constant, nonstop with him. Um, it's, it's, just, it, it, it's just ridiculous. But I'm glad he's gone. Dos Leyendas, if you've not seen this show, basically, it's like your slightly good to average Friday show. Oh, wow. So you didn't miss anything. Wow. You didn't miss anything. Um, they have Volador Jr. forming this his own group. I think you might have seen it. Um, those guys yes, that I come did. in. I think they were in the anniversary. Um, those guys come in. Um, they're Los Depredadores. Uh, and it's like a bunch of guys, young guys, 
that train with them. Has Volador Jr. teamed with any of those guys in CMLL? What is the I answer? Know, I think the answer is no. From no, just, just that you asked. <laughs> I know that. No, no. So, so it makes no sense for him to have his own faction if he's not going to team with them. Yes. I mean, it's stupid. Like you gotta like. I, to me, it would make sense for him to team with them and elevate one or two of them. Like mm-hmm. to me, you elevate Mahia Blanca or Diamond. I mean, Diamond. I don't think is that great, but elevate them. I mean, at this point in time. Mahia Blanca Diamond are better than ha- like some of these other guys that they've got on top. Like honestly, um, they got a guy named Ruhido who's mm-hmm. part of the group, and then uh, Magnus. Those are the four guys that they they have one more that they haven't unveiled yet. Which I mean, I don't know what they're waiting <laughs> for. And then I think there's some people that think Titan might be in it. I think you have to have Titan in that group. Otherwise, it's Volador Junior and a bunch of like guys who nobody really cares about. If you put Volador Junior with Titan and then bring up one guy. Then it makes mm-hmm. more sense. Like have one hit them team up with one of those guys every so often just to like give them something. Um, but so those guys were in the opening match. You did not miss anything if you did not see the opening match. <laughs> that was followed by a women's match. Um, you did not miss anything if you did not see the women's match. <laughs> that was then followed by a, a Relevels Increíbles match, which was Euphoria, Hechicero, and Mystico, mm-hmm. now formerly Caristico. Going up against Atlantis Jr., Nero Casas, and Ultimo Girl. That was a good match. Um, so you get one good match out of this show. Um, Atlantis Jr., mm-hmm. remember he was listed as a heavyweight in the... I don't know if you saw in the fan poll. He was, I do remember he was, he, was a, he was in the heavyweight. And, and I, I even like, Atlantis Jr., heavyweight? <laughs> I can say I think he is a heavyweight. Really? I think he's I think he's bulked up. Like, he actually looks a lot bulkier. He's either a light heavyweight. He's kind of in the middleweight, light heavyweight level where he's bulked up mm-hmm. where he could actually be a heavyweight and I think honestly at this point in time with so much talent leaving you might as well try to do that true but it's like he looked he looked he's still good that's the other thing he's that's good that's cool um Casas never gets old never I mean he's age he's 60 something and he's still an amazing worker he's, he's like he's like um he's the only one that really gets what you have to do to be a wrestler honestly. oh my <laughs> god no I I Every now and then, you know, uh, somebody asks me, like somebody young asks me, like who's becoming a wrestler, saying who should I watch? I'm saying lots of Negro Casas, yeah, lots. And they're like, who? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Depend, yeah, depending yeah. on their, so, Well, yeah. we got we got to give a shout out to our friend Zuka King who did you, know. Yeah, he definitely did knows. know and actually uh, followed. Big through. fan, big fan of it. Awesome guy. Uh, and this was the only match where they had a Chisero. And Ultima Girl, who are to set up their next match mm-hmm. in the, at the anniversary, which makes sense. I think the women's match also had a little bit of that, also. But you know, it's not it's not the same thing. Yeah. Uh, and I'll, of, of course, I always have to mention this in every podcast. The one woman whom I'm certain is, will retire probably soon, but I will soon. miss miss so much as Amapola. To me, she's like the last of the old school Her, lady wrestlers. She's got more twenty more years in this career, man. <laughs> Power to her, then. Power to her. I mean, Power Lola Gonzalez still pops up and wrestles every once Does in a she while. Really? So, yeah, I think she's not as much, but it was for a while she was still doing that. Power There's a couple her. of other ones that are from the like the '80s that are still showing up every. But, uh, but remember, remember um, the Viano Viano Three's um, widow. Uh, what's her name? Oh, God, I forgot her name. But she wrestled. Remember, she came up La Infernal. Remember, she came back and wrestled. I don't remember that. Yeah, yeah, she wrestled like in before the pandemic. So I'm getting old. Yeah, ah, yeah. But 59 that match was good. here. That match was good. 
Um, then you get the Volador Jr. Grand Guerrero Copa Independencia. Basically, w- when you get Grand Guerrero and Volador Jr., it's pretty much. Remember, I told you that Volador Jr. His opponent has to bring in something a little different to make it a good match. Yes. Grand Guerrero basically doesn't bring anything new to the table against him, so it's not that great. And and I, I'm not knocking Grand Guerrero. It's just more that. Grand Girl, I think, is more of a fit as a tag or trios guy right now. Yes. In singles matches, he can probably, if there's somebody a little... Like Titan, mm-hmm. I think could do more with him. But Volador Jr., because he sticks to so much of the same stuff, it doesn't work with him and Grand Girl. You know what I mean? Yes. It's like So, I mean, Ultimo Girl would be different because Ultimo Girl does a lot of different stuff. Um, and then you have the main event. Barbara Carbonario beating Felino. Uh, went only about 12 minutes for a main event which is very short and it's all one fall now right? yeah one fall yeah. I think all these matches were like one fall um, and so was the anniversary uh, but the funny thing is like you were talking about the highlights you watched only the highlights of this match and I just how, how long were the highlights like about 5-6 minutes because they also did the interview afterwards it was 4 minutes and I just want to say it was the worst compilation of highlights I have ever seen in my entire life all it was was topes and Drop kicks and and, and, uh, and arm drags <laughs> and arm drags and I'm not even talking the build up to a tope. I mean, it was literally somebody diving through yeah. the ropes, a tope that you've seen in every other match that night. Well, I will tell you that those twelve minutes mm-hmm. were pretty much what you got, what you saw. The <laughs> That's basically what it was. And from two of my favorite luchadores. And, and you know what it was when I was watching it, I was thinking, you know, maybe they're doing it this way because remember, Felino's gimmick is he's the fastest wrestler in, in Mexico. Yes. Um, not anymore, but back in the day, that was his gimmick. That's why Superboy like worked, and it worked, and it worked back then. And that's the way they were working the match, mm-hmm. where he was working really fast. But um, I think at a certain point, I'm like this because the video lasts 22 minutes, and then you realize like there's about it's 12 minutes of that a match. Mm-hmm. Then I think like about eight minutes of uh, of haircut, and then two minutes of Carbonario like doing his post match interview. Wow! So it's like yeah, it wasn't it wasn't anything that I mean I'm glad it was over. The one thing I will say is Carbonario looks like he's back in shape again because he had that injury yes. and was out for a while. Um, he looks like he's kind of starting to get back in like into it. Uh, so I'm kind of excited to see if he starts working with other people that make that can actually like go more his speed. Um, the fact that he did the tope through the middle rope I thought was really a good thing. But um, Felino, I mean, his days as a as a main guy. And the bad thing is we've been saying that for, what, 10 years? <laughs> it's still going to go on. He's somebody uh, I still love seeing in a trio, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's still fun. I mean, I just think that... And that's the problem. Like, with CMLL, they don't... They think, like, they got to do, like, big matches for everyone. And don't they don't know... They don't realize how, like, okay, you know, like... With All Japan Pro Wrestling, you didn't have Giant Baba. Like, every once in a while, we would get Giant Baba in a big tag match, teaming up with, like, maybe Jumbo or mm-hmm. or, or Taue or somebody young against another big name tag team. But most of the time, he was, like, in the mid card, you know, well, teaming up with all knew, the older guys. He knew he was no longer a main eventer. Yeah. And he, he didn't have this huge ego yeah. where he had to put himself in the main event, which really is what most people in power would do. Yeah. And... A lot of those matches were even kind of comedy matches. Yeah, because I mean, I think, and, and I think with, and you have a lot of older wrestlers in CML. I mean, Satani goes back wrestling. I mean, he's 70, oh, no. 72. No, he's probably the better, really better side of the, the, the he's not great, but it's like he's still, yeah. he's still I wrestling. just get worse. I, 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 I don't know. I guess since I'm 59 and I'm just feeling just the regular, I mean, I'm still the same immature brat I've always been since I was 17, but my body's telling me to take a little better care of itself 
And so I, I, I get I start getting nervous when I hear about seventy-two-year-old men wrestling. Yeah, and he, he's. I mean, for the most part, he's still. Um, he wrestles primarily in Guadalajara, so mm-hmm. but he does get a lot of indie bookings. But I mean, it's like so does all these other like Raúl yes. Jalisco and all these other older guys. Uh, but that show they did the the best part of the, that show was really um, the Sangre Chicana segment mm-hmm. because um, they, he brought in all his. Um, the, the kid well I don't think it was all their, his kids but mm-hmm. I think it was like the four daughters and three sons and all four daughters looked amazing mm-hmm. the three of them wore masks because they were wrestling the one that's not wearing a mask I, if the rest of them look like her mm-hmm. I mean they're very attractive well, well when he was young man he, he was, was a good looking really, dude yeah now he looks now he looks, now he looks like he's been very through. old yeah he looks <laughs> but way man, older I, I'm glad he's getting the props he's getting because yeah. he he's deserving he deserves so, it so they come out and they're doing all the the talk, and one of the women that was there was uh, his daughter that works in AAA, oh, La really? Yedra. She was there, and they even announced her being there, that's La cool. Yedra. So it's like it was like wow, that's that's a trip a AAA person getting mentioned by by CMLs, you know, and they're constantly shitting on AAA nonstop. So um, while this is all going on, all you hear is the fans yelling "suegro, suegro, suegro" with father-in-law. Oh. <laughs> of how good looking the, the girls are and you know I'm surprised CML didn't try to make a play for the, the other daughter that's that was their um, what is it Lady Chicana mm-hmm. I, but she was attractive I mean wow. that's the I, I think I would go after all the women all the yeah. all the Chaga Chicana's daughters the, 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 then again we're talking wrestling so they don't always uh, follow common sense they don't have to be good wrestlers to be in CMLL no, no. <laughs> Look at, or, or, or IWRG or any of these promotions hey hey as, it, it's like I've said before you know I love great wrestlers but if you're somebody who can get over and you're not hurting your opponent power yeah. to you yeah. You don't, I don't care if you're a bad worker as long as you're not hurting the other person if you can get over that's awesome so then we get to the anniversary and you just yeah. mentioned the first match and how that was um, well actually you didn't mention the first match you mentioned the tag match I mentioned the tag um, match the other match I saw was the, uh, the opening match which is Templario versus uh, Rojo Jr. Dragon, Dragon Rojo, Rojo Jr. and again for the Mexican for the vacant Mexican middleweight Mexican national <laughs> middleweight title because all these title, all these matches were title. They did a night of champions, which they're gonna do annually now. Um, they might not do it for the anniversary. I would do it again for the anniversary next year, just because I don't think uh, even if you're getting attendance, you're probably better off waiting another year or two for a big mass match mm-hmm. on an anniversary because so much talent has left that you kind of yes. have to figure out what what mask would make sense to like drop on an anniversary and, and whether or not it's worth it to give that person a share of the the big money absolutely i yeah so i i watched the templario uh versus dragon rojo jr again solid but yeah you could you could tell their hearts weren't into it and you know uh okay the other match that i was about to watch Okay. Was the so, oh, it wasn't the women's match. No, it wasn't the women's match. The other tag match. The I was tag. about to watch... I don't even know who all was in it. But I look on my television set. There is Ray Cometa. And I'm so excited. I said, oh, yeah, Ray Cometa. Then, in the other corner, who do I see? Espanto Jr. Now, let me ask you, Fredo. Why the fuck does CMLL hate me? Well, you know, they hate all of us, let's be honest. Yeah, but they, 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 they know how I feel about... I, I know they don't know who I am, but they still have to know how you know, I feel. Did you know that Espanto Jr. and Akuma have a huge fan following online? That's why they got, to, that's why they got that match. 
Oh dear. But you know, the other guy's really good. Not really good, but he's a he's first of all he's a really fun guy like in interviews. Uh, yes. Akuma and he's pretty good. That's but he's pretty much and and the same thing happens with Ray Cometa, his brother, Espiritu Negro. Mm-hmm. Nice guy, but he's not very good. Mm-hmm. So that's what's happening a lot with them. Um, if you see a lot of, in CMLL, remember we used to say that about like, in trios matches, there was always like one guy on each side that was really bad? Yeah. Now it's pretty much like even in tag matches, <laughs> like one guy on tag matches is pretty bad. I think that works better with a trio. Yeah, if yeah. You. So um, I should we should start with Templar Dragon Rojo Jr. You said that match didn't really, you thought it was okay. No, yeah, I mean, I thought, I thought, I thought it was solid. Were you worried Darian Rojo Jr. was going to win? Because I mean, it makes more sense for Templario to win because he's really good. Yes, it, yes. I mean, you've yes. seen him enough where you're. You know, other than and then Dragon Rojo Jr. is pretty much shot at this point. Although I don't think he's bad. I don't think he's no. Bad. He and, and it wasn't just high spot, high spot, high spot. They did some kind of cool wrestling in there too. But I, yeah, it, it it just that that was the first match I watched, and I could just kind of tell. Wow, they don't look very excited. You want to know the funniest thing about CMLL? Remember all those years they had the tag team of Puma, Puma King, and Tiger. Yeah. And they also had the tag team of Dragon Rojo Jr. and Pulvera. Mm-hmm. Remember those two tag teams? I don't know if you, I don't, I, I'm, you're familiar with Puma King and, and Felino and Tiger as a tag team. You've seen them. You, mm-hmm. They were good. They did it frequently in CML. Um, did you see a lot of Dragon Rojo Jr. and Pulvera as a tag team? Yes, they or did. Or in, in trios? They were pretty good too, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they had a really good match on, uh, on an independent show that I saw a couple years ago in DTU. And um, so you would think, well, Pul- Dragon Rojo Jr. is back. Pulveras around, put them back together, make them a tag team. Perfect. You have something solved because both guys are not the greatest, but they're actually good, reliable workers. Mm-hmm. Give them a little push as a tag team. Right now, that CML suddenly CML is into tag teams. Have them go up against Rey Cometa and Esper- Espiritu Negro, um, the dream, the dream catchers. Mm-hmm. I, I love the name that they have. That's great. Um, <laughs> have them go up against them. No, what did they do in Puebla? They have Pulvera team up with Felino Jr. So you have two guys from previous uh, tag teams team up. Huh? And they beat Ray Comet and Spiritu Negro for the Arena Col- uh, the national tag team titles. I almost said Arena Coliseo. Tag team titles. There's so many fucking tag titles. So this... this. Uh, so this was your... You got to see them the, retain the titles and then drop them. Actually, so the yes, theme yes. song. The theme song... Although, although I will say Felino Jr. and, um, and Pulvera. Felino Jr. being the former Tiger... Mm-hmm. Him and Pulver are, are good workers, so it's not. It's yes. actually a good a good team. It just doesn't make to me. It to me, um, if Felino Junior, I want to see him team up with like another um, animal, you know. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean. I know. What like you Like somebody mean. with a character, like a, yes. like a, a lion or something, like fire or something. Um, Unless it was a llama, that would be cool. That would be cool. Uh, Pulver, uh, I mean, he has his regular his regular tag team partner just came back. Why not just have him team up with them and yes. challenge them? It yes. would make sense for that to be the and then win it because I think that would be kind of cool because it would be like like a cool redemption. Um, but that did that didn't happen. Um, what you said about that match, you could pretty much say for most of these matches, except for really Hechicero and um, Ultimo Guerrero, um, and also with the with the Dos Leyendas. And I know everybody talks about. What's wrong with CMLL? Mm-hmm. Talent leaving, um, attendance not being great because of the pandemic, and they have limits to how many people they could have in, and all this other stuff, the bad booking and all this stuff. Yes. But I think the biggest problem this promotion has is that uh, it is the booking. Um, there's really no passion in these matches. Like, there's no um, heart. Agreed. Um, there's no, like, there's no, like, and it's not, I don't just mean it like the guys bringing it. 
but like even in storyline form like in storyline like who gives a crap if uh if Templar wrestles Dragon Rojo Jr. Absolutely. Nobody cares. Yes. I mean, they voted for that match, but it's like I mean, don't you want something like do you don't you want like and they try like even Dragon Rojo Jr. when he did an interview he's like this guy beat me the last time in a tournament. He's like, "Ooh, tournament." <laughs> That's my only thought. It's like a tournament. Uh, 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 the annual the 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 monthly losing in 3 minute tournament. <laughs> you know, it's not that big a deal. Um there's not enough like um there's no real and the guys they don't also that they're not into it they're not into it like they don't have like this personality like like Templario is a pretty much a good worker mm-hmm. um, but he's not like a he's pretty much just a good wrestler that's basically it like he doesn't it's not like he's not a heel he, he doesn't come across like a bad guy um, Dragon Rojo Jr Dragon Rojo Jr it's hard to hate a guy who's been through so many injuries and then when he does interviews he's a really nice guy <laughs> like, absolutely it's like, it's like it's hard you know that's what also hurts CMLL they're doing these interviews and all these guys don't they break character that's what made Rush so great when he was early on when he oh, did the Ingobernables because he was an asshole all the time. Absolutely. Never stopped being an asshole. When he stopped doing it and started recognizing that his dad was, was in the promotion mm-hmm. and how he, had, he started talking about his brothers, mm-hmm. that kind of just killed it for me, like with him. Yeah, it takes off the, the shine. It's funny. I've been lo- watching a lot of old Black Gordman matches recently and there was somebody who was a classic luchador who... You could put him on the mic, and he'd, he'd, he was great, but he didn't have to. He yeah. was like a silent movie villain. Because, you know, he didn't have to, because he could, like, even, like, he's been in world class, the stuff I've been watching. Yeah. And he does this one thing where all the fans are booing because he's wrestling, I think, one of the Latino, the, the jobber guys, I think Tony Torres. And um, and the fans are all, like, and, he, and are, like, reacting to him. I mean, he's, and he looks at him, he's like, oh, shut up. Or as like, he would shut say, up. shut up, messy guy. Yeah, like, like I think he just said shut up at that, at yeah. that point. And it's like, and, and it's like the crowd, oh, they get even louder. Yeah. And these guys don't do anything. The only one that did it was Ultimo Guerrero. And the only wow. reason the only reason he did it is because of everything that went down where um, Sobrano Jr. blamed him for everything that's going on with all the guys leaving and called him a, the cancer. And he actually, <laughs> he actually took up that name. He was on a show. We were like trying to figure out if he was going to bring it up. Uh-huh. Um, and he's like, he's like, yeah, I'm the cancer of CMLL. I run the promotion. <laughs> he's like, I don't, I don't just book the promotion. I also uh, plan out the matches. I tell everybody where they're going to wrestle. I'm, I'm also the referee. I also, uh, I also handle all the travel and all this stuff. He just started like talking all this stuff, and it worked for him. Now people hate him. So like, so, so. He's working against Hechicero, who's like the super worker. But Hechicero is another guy who actually gets that he has to be a Rudo. Mm-hmm. So he started doing that also. The only thing was that Ultimo Guerrero, and he let Ultimo Guerrero be the, the Rudo this time. He was more the the face. Yes. Uh, but yeah, the Templario Dragon Rojo Jr., I thought it was a, a, I think it probably was the second best match on the card. Um, but like I said, you could honestly, Hechicero Ultimo Guerrero is like the best match. All the other four matches were kind of just like, you just, if, if somebody right. told me, they prefer the women's match. I'd be like, yeah, that's fine. Or I prefer the tag matches. That's fine. Where the women's match used to be sometimes okay, sometimes not so good. But it was always kind of the punchline yeah. promotion. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, for one reason or another. And you mentioned the tag match, which um, I'll agree with you. I think the thing there is that the Melo's Diablo are so inexperienced going up in the, in, against totally. these guys. Um, but it also tells you how tired fans are of watching the same match. Because the other mm-hmm. th- there was three teams in the fan poll. The third team was Ultimo Guerrero and Gran Guerrero. Mm-hmm. And tell me, 
Don't you think Titan Volador Jr. versus the Guerreros would have been a lot better? Than- Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah, but the fans were so tired of seeing them that they went with uh, the Gemelos Diablo, and the Gemelos Diablo are just not good. They're not. They're not. They're, they're... And they were getting pushed towards, like, the top, but now they're teaming with Sagrado. Oh. <laughs> See, oh that's, my that God, was my yes. reaction. Yes. That was my reaction. Yes. So basically, they've kind of just gone into the mid card, uh, which... You know, because when they start teaming with, it's like there's no way they're going to elevate Sagrado. Sagra- Sag- absolutely, because not. they're they're just not. Um, so then they kind of just went down there, and it's like okay, Sagrado <laughs> will be Sagrado yeah, yeah. That's when you know the the promotion. <laughs> so then the next tag match happens, and like you said, Espanto Junior was in it, mm-hmm. and I don't think you didn't watch any of that match. No, as soon as I saw Spanto Jr., I said, you know, I, I, I want to watch that the, the show you turned me on to, The Wire. I wanted to watch another episode of that so, instead. So guess what happens early in this match? Espanto Jr. kicks Ray Cometa in the face. All of a sudden, you see two teeth flying out of um, Ray Cometa's mouth. <laughs> he oh, into his teeth. So, oh, so it even gets oh. better. It gets even better. So they get back up. Ray Cometa slaps him across the face oh. twice, and it was really hard. He got, I was like, oh. oh and he kept hitting him really hard the rest of the match. And I think at certain points, um, Espirito Negro started working more with um, Espanto Jr., which made it even worse. Oh, <laughs> but um, I, th- I thought that was really, I thought that was probably the worst match on the card. Wow. Um, just because uh, there's only so much Ray Cometa can do, and, and Akuma and Espanto Jr. are just not at that level of workers. Um, okay, just from what I remember of... Spanto Jr.'s bad. He's bad. He's bad. And he doesn't see... He never seemed motivated yeah. to me. And he doesn't... He's not good. He's just not no, good. No, he's just like, not good. Not, there's nothing he can do. Um, and that's... I think that also the problem with CML is that they don't... They don't have somebody in charge that's like, hey, that guy's bad. We should, let's go with somebody else. Absolutely. <laughs> and of course, that, you see that because they have... Dark, how, how else would Dark Magic be around for so long? You know? <laughs> true. I never thought of that, but true. He hasn't left. Yeah. So then after that match... Well, actually, that was the third match, the fourth mm-hmm. match. The match before that was the only match that I thought was good. Mm-hmm. I would say it was probably in the three-star level. Yes. Which tells you how the show mm-hmm. was in, um, to pay for this. And Chisero beating Ultimo Girl for the CML World Heavyweight title. I thought the, the cool thing was um, before before um, they started the match, Chisero introduced his second, mm-hmm. who ended up being El Satanico. So this was the beginning of the new Infernalis. Oh. Okay. So there's a new Infernalis group. Satanico is the lead, like the figurehead. Yes. He, he's still gonna wrestle every once in a while. I actually just wrestled. He did. They did an Atomicos match, mm-hmm. eight man tag, uh, where he teamed up with the three new members. Um, the three new members. Let's see. Uh, do you know? Have you kept I up have with it? No clue. Okay. I said Echicero is the, the the first one. Mm-hmm. Name the other two. Just off your top of your head with CML, knowing all the oh, CML Christ. characters. I uh. It's easy. You can. It's pretty easy. I. I think yeah, but I'm pretty simple. The fact that you, 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 it should be easy. Like just, just get take a guess of the the CML guys who look like they're like they, they could be. Um, well, of course, hell, from hell. is a, a from hell. No just think of guys who. Who else could be from hell? Uh, <laughs> Espanto uh, Jr. <laughs> oh God. He's oh, from another God. hell. I mean, the yeah. good hell. <laughs> yeah, not from Dante's inferno yeah. hell, but yeah. like bad boy hell. Yeah. Uh, blah blah blah. I don't know. <laughs> really? I really don't know. I'm sorry. Mephisto and Euphoria. Okay. Euphoria formerly. Remember he did the breakup with Ultimate Girl? I do Girl, remember. I do so remember now he's that. with them. Okay. Uh, Mephisto also joining them. I, I was kind of bummed out that they added Mephisto because I kind of have a feeling that Averno, there's always room for Averno possibly going back to CMLL. And mm. I think that would, I would prefer Averno with Mephisto again. 
Uh, although knowing Simao, they just throw in Averno into this group if he were to come back. Yes, um, I'm not sure if he's going to come back. It's more of a he's working. He's been working a lot with Mystico, and I wouldn't be shocked if they want to do like some sort of um, return rivalry in CML mm-hmm. with them. Um, they're going to work in Guadalajara, and but that doesn't mean that he's going to come to CML, the main group. Um, but um, the one guy I was really like wanted to be the third member was actually Sobrano Jr. Yeah, just because it would be oh different. My God. Just because it would be different, and that you get to turn interesting. up. Interesting, and he gets to team up with his dad, Euphoria. Wow, and is Soberano Jr. He's injured still? right now. He's still out of injury. Okay. Yeah, and we don't even know if he's going to be around CML because he's one of the guys who also complained about <laughs> Ultima Girl. But now uh, that was a guy I freaking loved watching. Yeah, he's been out with an injury. I'm uh, sorry. But, but like that's the only I I thought maybe that would work. But you know, I, I'm okay with Mephisto, Echisero, and Euphoria just because they have. They're similar look, and Echicero and Euphoria are really good. Mephisto's kind of slipped a bit, but he's still mm-hmm. he's still better than most. Like he's better than half like half the guys. Yeah, I was gonna say I've, he, I've always I've always dug him. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Now I feel totally foolish not knowing who the other two members yeah. were. It was easy, I, right? <laughs> now that you know, it's like <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was very easy. easy. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um. And then you also and the other reason I wanted Sobrano Jr. is because eventually they're going to do the the Laguneros versus Infernalis mm-hmm. feud. And you know you have a light, like a cool matchup where you would have Euphoria versus Grand Girl, Ultimo Girl versus Echicero, mm-hmm. and then you could go Sobrano Junior versus Templario, the two flashy guys going against each other. And then you could also do the 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 the, the family feud, you know, Euphoria Sobrano Junior versus the Guerreros. That would be fun, also. Yes. But uh, they went with Mephisto, which still works. I mean, Mephisto's still pretty good. Um, I don't know. I, I thought that I, I thought that was like the, the 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 icing to this match, just because. Echicero beating Ultimo Girl for the world title was kind of like a big surprise. It was like the little, uh... Like, you don't expect Kind of the old story of Pandora's box where all this evil is released, but there's just one little fairy of hope. Yeah, yeah, and Echicero's like the hope where... (laughs) You know, because how many many years were we, like, constantly talking about how he's never on on Friday shows? Oh, hell yeah! Yeah. I mean, and Echicero is a guy that I would watch wrestling anybody. I don't care who it is. Echicero is... And I think think that's the other thing that I think CML should really, like, start focusing on, like, Echicero working with other, like... Like, if they could work out bringing in more people from New Japan... Have him work with Echicero every once in a while, you know? And do you have an opinion? Do you think that things are just going to kind of be this tepid as long as Ultimo Guerrero is in charge? Or would it take him being out of charge for things to brighten up? Or, um... It's not just him. It's the whole promotion. It's not just him. Because they have, I mean, they have the old Lucharos. Like, if you look at, if you look at, I don't know how much you've, read up on the 1970s CML, EMLL when um, Salvador Luteroth, the older one, stepped down and gave the power to the one that currently... The, the one that currently runs it. Yeah, I, I remember. The older read, one. Yeah. He's not running it, but he's kind of like the figurehead. Mm-hmm. And then his son is the one that's running it. But his son was also involved with the, with that group as well. Um, I don't know if you rem- if you ever kept up with it, but a lot of the, there's a lot of similarities to that because remember, a, a lot of talent left when mm-hmm. those guys took over. Ray Mendoza. Oh, was, in the 70s when the EWA Yeah, yeah when formed. UWA formed. Ray Mendoza yes. left, and then all these other guys decided that they wanted to leave also. And if you look at CML's roster from like about 75 through, actually for much of the 80s, was very barren. It wasn't like as strong. They had their crew, but then they basically, what what turned them around was really Paco Alonso kind of accepting 
the UWA guys mm-hmm. to work back, and that kind of changed it up a bit. But if you look at the EML main guys, it was really not the they weren't really the huge stars of the, of, of, of of Mexico. It was really the the independent guys that were and the big stars. And it's funny when you say that. I remember a period where the, uh, they started they were airing the Friday night matches here. I think it was '86, and I do remember that the particular I can't remember what what part of the year it was, but that was a period where you could tell all these great guys like Alfonso Dantes and uh, everybody else just seemed like... And then yeah. it was good. It was still good because even, like, don't get me wrong, those guys back then, I think... Oh, they were great, but... The quality of wrestling back then was yeah, a little bit It was, but I do remember a period where they looked like they didn't want to yeah. be at work tonight. And then you also had a lot of matches where it was like a lot of random undercard guys that, that would show up for a while and then they would disappear. Yes, yes. And that's kind of like, I kind of view that the same. And the only yeah. difference is... Um, when 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 the breakup came, when when those guys left and started UWA, EMLL back then they had Paraguayo, yes, young Paraguayo, who lasted there for about I think three four years before he went to UWA, and that kind of kept them like that straightening them. And they also had Sangre Chicana and Would all those guys. Would you love to see footage of that? And you know, and that's the thing. There is no Paraguayo level right now no, in CML. No. Like a guy, Mystico would have been like the closest thing, but his. Prime, his boom was years ago. And a pair of Aguayo charisma comes only every yeah, so often. Yeah, I mean, he was he was unusual. Because I mean, even like even the young guys that they bring bringing up, none of them show me like mm-hmm. like even young guys, not just even CML, even like it. I think the 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 there's flashy guys, guys that you want to see wrestle against the top stars. Yeah, but the charisma isn't like there's no real like charisma guy that you're like, oh my god, this guy's gonna turn business around. And I wonder, I wonder, guys who are learning the business. If they're, well, you know, I know a lot of older wrestlers who, and what bothers me about my generation is, you know, friends I have who are around my age who actually were involved in the business are always griping about. It's not like it used how, to yeah, be. Yeah, not like it used to be and how young wrestlers don't, don't do this, that, and the other thing. And there are things that I think those wrestlers could do where I think the older wrestlers are correct. If they did some old school well, stuff, it would work, but... A lot of them are probably not being taught that. Yeah, and they you, don't know you're supposed to do it. And like we were saying, most of these matches, guys weren't showing a lot of um, personality towards yes. the fans. Ultimo Guerrero did, and then you had Echicero yeah. did a really good job, you know, with the whole Satanico thing. Like, and, and even when Satanico shows up, mm-hmm. he has so much more. Same thing with Nero Casas; they have so much more charisma <laughs> that yeah, they just have it yeah. natural where people just realize like they're gonna. And even charismatic characters, you know, like here in the states. You know whether they're kind of more babyface or heel, and is almost like a hybrid nowadays. They all come up; they come out with a smile and a you know a, a, a cocky swagger. Yeah, it's at least when I watch it, I that seems. I mean, maybe that's what gets over today, but I, I think it would be more efficient if you had yeah. kind of more of a variety of yeah. You yeah. know, that's that's just that's just my uneducated observation because. Uh, I do dig AEW because I dig Orange Cassidy because he is Titanis in El Ring. He is Argentina wrestling brought to the States. I, I, I think the, the one thing I like about um, them just going, kind of elevating Echicero is that he kind of like, it kind of just seems so different. Like there's a fresh breath of air in yes, the, in the, in the yes. room. You know what I mean? Like 
Just because you have now you have him in there with Volador Jr., Mystico, and Ultima Girl. And not I just have a, no idea. Although I don't think he's in that group. I, yet. I, I, my hunch is this was not by design, but you would know better. Yeah, talent leaving. And you know that's what, the. What, what, I, what I, I was also thinking is. Is that why you think Echicero has finally been elevated? Because I, because I, I thought like that would excite me if I heard he's being elevated, whether it's by design and or it, other people. It leave. was funny because I brought this up that because um, the the Infernalis thing, mm-hmm. I brought up how I didn't. I I was curious if they would have done it if the NGD the Dinamitas would have mm-hmm. left if they would have done this. And um, there was a few people that said you know they were already planning on doing this. I said no, they weren't. They talked about it. They were never gonna planning on doing mm. it because remember this thing with Satanico and Echicero, they feuded over the the, the they they were feuding on the independence mm-hmm. and Echicero would constantly tell Satanico hey give me let's have a match I'll put up this title you put up the name of um of the Infernalis because mm-hmm. Echicero wanted to create the new Infernalis um, this has been going on for like three or four years so it wasn't like something that that um, oh they've been planning for three or four years it was more like the last couple of months when NGD left they were like hey let's just bring back the Infernalis and. Echicero keeps Echicero brought it up multiple times wow. on on Informa. Wow. He brought it up multiple times, never happened. So it's not like they could have done it years ago. I mean, you think they couldn't have done you don't, you think Triple H uh, CML wouldn't have created a faction mm-hmm. within the last four years? They, yes. they did like look at the thing Gobernables. They created the Ingobernables. As soon as um uh Rush and them left, they brought up a new Ingobernables. I mean, they could have done this a long time ago, they didn't. And it, it's not like they can't have six seven factions or trios in in, in cmll uh, but i think remarkable <laughs> but I, I think i think i think it, i think it was that that they left and they had to do it so yes. it was it was one of those weird things um so then the main event i already talked about the the the, the national tag match mm-hmm. i thought it wasn't that great um the women's match harochita yuvia versus dark silhouette reina aces mm-hmm. um i actually thought it was okay for a main event it wasn't great mm-hmm. i would say it was probably like the second i thought it was the second best match on the card honestly nah, I, I, um, I, I will actually try to give that a um, it wasn't um I think they're still kind of limited. Mm-hmm. is really good. The one thing I will say is that Yuvia kind of has improved since joining, uh, teaming up with Harochita because they do a lot of tag team moves now. Um, it was funny because when Satanico was doing the whole, we, he wanted to revive the Infernales, that started around, like, I think in August mm-hmm. when he started. He also mentioned he wanted to form a, a trio of women Infernales. And, um, and and I thought I, I actually dig that. Concept. I like the idea, but um, he mentioned he he wanted them to be three students, um, mm, which bad idea. his students, no his students, oh, oh his oh. students, not not students current, his students, um, which is Silhouetta, Dark Silhouetta, um, who's good, mm-hmm. Zuxis, mm-hmm. who's not in CMLL right now, but he would want her back, mm-hmm. and then Yuvia. And I thought, well, I mean, I like Yuvia in that group, but I also think she's. Harochita's kind of turned her career around. Also, the fact that she's um, dating or married to um, Ultima Guerrero also <laughs> helps. But um, but you know the thing. The other thing I noticed with her. Remember how everybody used to talk about Yedra all the time. Mm-hmm. But it was because she had looks and she could work. Yes. Yuvia. I think I might have mentioned this a few times previous podcast where I thought her outfits didn't match what she. You have. There was no sex appeal to her. Mm-hmm. She dumped the whole um, those like I, I guess that's I don't know what you call those pants that they wear that that cover up a lot. Like stockings. Oh or whatever. my god! Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. It was almost like because she. Al- it looked like she was covered up. It was. It was almost like a, a kitschy woman Paraguayo in a way. It was weird. It was because I always thought. Yeah. I always thought she might be like the one that they could kind of use as a sexy star mm-hmm. type version in, in CMLL. Uh, somebody that you know they use for their. You know they might not be great workers, and they but sex have appeal. To, uh, worry about her shooting on them. Yeah, opponent. yeah. Because she's not. She's. I mean, she wouldn't. I don't think she would ever do that. And um, so then. 
she got rid of that, and now she dresses. I forgot better, about she's that improved. outfit. I totally forgot. She, about she looks. She looks more. She looks more major league now. Okay, I got. I got to look her up. Now. Yeah, just, she looks more I, major I, I league. Because like I do remember, and to be honest, not just was it not sexy. It just in my mind looked silly. Looked very made her look plain. Yeah. And so like that's the thing. And um, you were talking about women's wrestling CML. What I think, and it's like I think they've given them more of a push. Um, I don't know if it's necessarily been great. But um, if you're gonna do it. You have to, you. They should have done this years ago. Honestly, what did it hurt for them to yeah. do every so often a, a women's main event? Like well, my and my and and I I don't know if anybody agrees. And they missed out on Prime Marcella, Amapola, Princess Suhei. Yes, Dark Angel. Those were like the times they should have. And, and I don't know if anybody agrees with me on this, but there's an occasional like, just from my eyes. Yeah. An occasional Amapola who is a good base, a good leader. But there's a lot of girls who I. I think look talented, but there's nobody guiding each other. And, and you I don't, don't know if I'm. I'll, do you think I'm? Do you think I'm off on that? Or no, nah, there is because it's also happening in the independents. Mm-hmm. If you watch a lot of um, if you follow um Rob's other um uh, Twitter account mm-hmm. where he puts up the gifs and all that. Oh yeah. Um, you'll see a lot of really bad women's wrestling on the independent scene, <laughs> especially <laughs> IWRG, like some of the stuff they do. Um, but um, it's. To me, what has helped them a little bit is that they brought in Stephanie Vacker, mm-hmm. who's good, and they brought back Dark Silhouette. Uh, um, she's not great, but she's way better than what they had before, and she's getting a push. Mm-hmm. Um, suddenly, she's like kind of, and she turned heel also, which was also the other thing that helped her. But um, and also, they're they're pushing Harochita, who's okay, really good. Cool. They they kind of, I think the reality was that they couldn't keep going Marcella Amapola all the time. Because we've already seen that, and they're already way older. I think I think Amapola, if she's in there with Harochita or something like that, works perfect. Mm-hmm. But if you're putting her with Marcella, it's you know Marcella can't. It's not even Marcella. It's remember Marcella 100% was fast, speed. You know she was really creative yes. in the ring. Now it's more of a she's slower, um, not oh, that yeah. great. Yeah. Because um, Amapola never used speed. It was more of a you know being a, a really good. Oh, ruta. she's a great. Well. Uh... The, you know, when I brought up Black Gordman before, one of the things that I love as I'm watching these old matches is I'm watching what's available of him in the 70s and then into the 80s when he couldn't bump so well. Yeah. But that guy could still work a match because yeah. of his charisma. And he did, I, I mean, I'll get into this another time, but such a unique heel, and that's kind of Amapola. I mean, yeah. There's passion. Yeah, so, so I think it would work with her, like working with like Harochita. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically, that's, that's <laughs> it. <laughs> the women's division. Dark silhouette. I mean, they, yeah. the, what's going to end up helping them is that um, with the situation with um, the man and everything, and then like their breakup with Ring of Honor, um, they kind of strengthen their, their relationship with. Um, the Japanese women's um, the group that they're working with mm-hmm. um, Ladies Rings which isn't really a promotion it's just them kind of like being the they do a magazine and it's kind of um, they kind of like I guess they kind of sponsor or handle the whole bringing in talent oh, from Mexico okay. and bringing talent from Japan to to the to Mexico um, they worked out an agreement with Ice Ribbon and they had the Ice Ribbon some of the Ice Ribbon women show up recently and that's kind of helped them a lot I didn't think to ask you about that but I have seen some ice ribbon presents. I mean, just logos and stuff. Yeah, they're CML. in CMLL now. They, yeah. they, they were in recent... I don't know if you've seen that, but they they, they were there for two weeks. Yeah, yeah just, just when I was so browsing they, yeah, on so the they, Facebook they, and stuff. They've, get, they've yeah. gotten a big push as... um They've done... They the they did that whole um tournament with mm-hmm. um, the women 
um, Dark Silhouette. I think Dark Silhouette won that, and they're doing they're doing more tournaments, which is a pain in the ass. That's the the. But you know, I'm okay with it. The problem is like, is like. I just hate the fact that they they the, the 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 way they book everything is like so, you know. Yeah, yeah. They, 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 there's no real like there's no real fire in the match. It's always just like ah, oh, let's have these matches. Oh, and, exactly, eh. and it's frustrating because there's there's so much potential there. There's so much talent. Yeah. There's so much they could do with it. You know. You know the one I should mention the highlight of that tag match that I said wasn't very good with Rey Cometa and Espirito Negro versus Akuma and Espanto. Uh-huh. The highlight was one of the Eric Khanes was wearing, because uh, they wore outfits similar to what they, the wrestlers were wearing, mm-hmm. and Erica, the Eric Khan, was wearing uh, the football outfit that Akuma wears. Yes. With the 69. Oh. And, <laughs> and she was wearing the tight pants, and she looked way better than Akuma with those tight <laughs> pants. I was, like, I was like, that was the highlight. I was like, I was like, that's the highlight right there. Oh my God. Okay, I'm, surprised. I'm, surpri- I'm surprised people did it. Surprised nobody brought it up. I know, really. Yeah. But I, I think right now people are kind of staying quiet on, on social media talking about certain things. <laughs> no, that's yeah. true. It's kind of refreshing because mm-hmm. some people are getting creepy and that kind of stuff for yeah. a while. I mean, I know it's kind of going the other extreme some ways. But, yeah, some people... Some, I don't think people realize how creepy they can be. So basically with CMLL, just to summarize it, mm-hmm. if you want to watch okay to good matches that aren't going to get you too excited, watch CMLL. If you're expecting five-star matches, don't watch CMLL. That's an excellent summary, I must say. Better than I could summarize it. And if you if you want storylines, you're probably not going to get it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm, I, I like it. Just, I, I I'm kind of like I I'm kind of I try to be positive, and I like the new Infernales. I like the fact that Echicero is a a, a a champion now. Um, I like that Ultima Girl is kind of hated now and that kind of has added a little more to him because yes. he's one of the remember he's one of the heels that gets blamed for like asking for cheers yeah so now he's not doing that um, I like the Volador Jr. Titan tag team I like the fact that Titan's around um, Ray Cometa getting a decent push mm-hmm. there's some guys there's some positive but then there's so much negative like it's like I don't really want to see some of these yeah. guys yeah actually, actually you know you put it really well that people like you and I would actually there be some appeal to watching some of it at least yeah because you you know we grew up watching wrestling and of course we have these little creative minds where yeah we can be armchair bookers yeah like i would have done something different. yeah exactly <laughs> and, and also you look at the possibilities and there is some really good talent there even though yeah. they're they're you know fumbling it they, i think there's some really good workers and i'll probably do an article where i suggest 10 things i would do for CML, I keep saying that. I think every podcast there's been like two podcasts where I've talked about that. Maybe three. Uh, it's probably been three months that. Dude, I that would that would be good though. One thing I really would do is I would probably do a little bit of a focus on the lightweight division, mm-hmm. because for one thing you have Virus as the mm-hmm. guy who could kind of lead that group, as yeah. the heel that could lead that group. But if you notice, a lot of the CML guys that 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 been coming in, the younger guys, they're all kind of um, um, lightweights. Mm-hmm. Panterita, the ring mm-hmm. junior. Um, Sonic, there's a lot of like smaller guys that I think that would be a nice way to get them started to move. Electrico mm-hmm. guys that are there, that have been there, like maybe do that just to get them like warmed up. That should be the time. Then they get to work with viewers. Maybe find another Rudo. I think Disturbia is also a lightweight, mm-hmm. just to get those guys like prepped up to like elevate them. And you know I think what? That would make I sense. would I would love to see like lighter guys wrestling lighter guys again. I know it's yeah. not. I know it's not really 
the goal for most wrestlers in Mexico now. But I, I man, I love the lighter division. I love, and I and I thought that I and it, it was pretty good box office. You, you for You still years. get it with CML with the because they have it. They still do the whole weight class thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But now it's like now you suddenly Barbara Car, Barbara Carvajal is a heavyweight. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, and it, it just, it, it's like a homogenized yeah. version of what they used to have yeah. with the weight class. Because they used to do it like, and and that's one thing I will say like. The whole weight class thing has gone like this since th- they started. Because remember, Carlos mm-hmm. um, Lagarde would go from being a welterweight to a middleweight. Yes, which is natural. You do that, but then like, but with CML, there's no explanation. It's just like eh, he's gonna wrestle this guy for the for the middleweight title. Um, they had Templario on on, mm-hmm. on the Informa. He's like, they ask him, who would you like to defend the title against? He's like, uh, Carvernario. I'd like to re- defend it against Carvernario. Mm-hmm. And he's like, ah, oh, he's a light heavyweight. And he's like, he's like, oh, I guess I don't know. <laughs> I guess I don't know who. <laughs> He's like, no, I, gotta... I, I love it. Could you, could you imagine like a, a, an MMA fighter? Uh... Like Car- like they can't say hey, Carvernario's going to, like you can't gimmick the whole thing like Carvernario's going to lose weight for this match. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like yes. that's what you do. Yes. Like what the fuck? Yeah. Like it just wouldn't Like work. even at Chisero, even at Chisero when, when they asked him about being a heavyweight, he's like, well, I don't think I'm a heavyweight. I'm a light heavyweight. And and they had him in the heavyweight division. But if you look at, <laughs> honestly, if you look at the heavyweights in CMLL, now that now that yeah. LA Park and all those guys are gone, and Roosh and all those guys, they're all um, they're all light heavyweights. Yeah, like, like it's just, there's not. That's one funny that's... when he said that. I'm trying to picture Nate Diaz saying, uh, "Like I'm calling out Fedor Emelianenko." And then know? and then Joe Rogan guy, you can't wrestle him. You can't fight him. He's he he's a he's a he's a not in your weight class. Yeah, he goes, I can't. I can't. Okay, well, and then and then turn to the guy and go, "Who's available then?" <laughs> and that's basically what it was. It's like that's, that's funny. So weird. That's funny. So Kurt, you have a new project going on. I certainly tell us about do. this project. Well, first off, I want to say uh, it's a project that I did not spark up myself. Well, you know what though, when we were thinking about writing a book, mm-hmm. and and I think Doctor Lucha told us it was too broad of a a lucha libre thing because and uh-huh. even and even we thought about it because we started talking about. Uh, there's Arena Mexico, there's, of course, EMLL, then there's tri- the AAA, and you, then Monterey, to, Tijuana, to Juarez. A good, thorough, complete history of Lucha Libre, you would have to have a whole set of encyclopedias. Yeah, and then you don't even have access to like certain territories because they don't... Absolutely. I mean, you could do an overview of it. which would You could do fine. an overview. That, that, that is the brilliance of old wrestling magazines like Bocce Lucha Boxy Lucha or that Bocce that's the new one Bocce that's, that's the new one, the Bocce, new one. Bocce Lucha. oh my god my own Bocce has created a new buzzword yes. Bocce Lucha <laughs> so but the old Bocce Luchas and the magazines like uh, Zosser and there was another one that used the Bocce Lucha Arena the Bocce yeah. Lucha they were amazing in that they not only covered Arena Mexico and um Coliseo they covered like small cow towns. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, you could you could find out, you could get a decent overview of the local scene in Acapulco. Or they tell you like like um, like the whoever was the promoter in Juarez, they'd be like, so and so's promoting a show in Juarez, and he's bringing in Black Shadow, and Black Shadow's going to team up, and they, they you just write down the the lineup exactly, and the team up yeah. and the and main then, eventers then, team up with yeah, local boys, yeah, and then, and then they tell you who would sometimes. Sometimes yeah. they would tell you who would win. Other times, you wouldn't know. It was a Absolutely. mystery. <laughs> yes, it's true. It's true. Yeah. So anyway, uh, if 
Any of you out there have not read any oh, of the books? Oh, before before we go, I, I should mention when you were talking about the book, mm-hmm. um, then we then you suggested, hey, we should do some include the SoCal luchadors. Remember the lucha libre scene? Yes. And I said, oh, now we're like expanding it a little too much, uh, which kind of it would have been. And then I thought, you know, it's going to be a lot of work, and we pretty much kind of gave up yes, on the whole idea. We gave up yeah, on it, yeah. and plus we we had never wrote a book be, either of us had yeah, before, yeah. and. Uh, well, uh, I must say I am very thankful that uh, Rock Rims, who has written, I believe it's now five books on professional wrestling, he is now writing a book on Latinos, Latino wrestlers in California, going back to the 1920s wow. to present day. Um, if you have not read any of his previous works, check them out. Uh, to that, he is going to be uh, issuing another uh, print of one is called When It Was Big Time, which is the history of pro- professional wrestling in Northern California, going back to the turn of the 20th century up until the end of the territorial era. He also did one that called Legends and Icons, which is a history of Southern California wrestling, again, going way back when, from the end of the LaBelle era. And I gotta say, I was shocked and very humbled and very happy that he asked me to co-author his newest book that will be covering the Latino wrestling scene here in California, starting from the 1920s up until present wow. day. And if you never read any of his works, read anything he's written. He's also done a biography of Roy Shire. Um, he did the biography of Ron Starr, which he actually worked directly with Ron Starr before it, he passed away. Oh, yeah. I was going to ask you if he passed away recently. He did. Yeah. I, th- I think it's been about three years now, yeah. maybe. I'm so bad at He was really good. Ron Starr was really good. Yeah. Great worker. Oh my God. Uh, Didn't he team up with with Cactus Jack in World Class? I think he did, right? He might have. Yeah, I think he did. I don't, to be honest, I don't know, but he was, I got to see him live a lot here in, when he worked for Antoine the Ripper Leone. He is also Leone's booker. And seeing Ron Starr live was, was, you know, was something yeah. he, he was he was he could be great as a face or a heel he could do both just as brilliantly and uh this is a really exciting project and we were just in the beginning phases but i encourage you when he comes out with the reprints of the uh, southern california book and the northern california book find these because if you read these, you'll understand why I am so jazzed. Because this guy, this guy's research is impeccable. You, you know what I like about more people kind of finding more history about lucha libre, not just lucha libre, but the Latinos mm-hmm. in the United States, is that um, they're kind of starting to kill the whole. Um, st- I don't know if it's stigma or the the belief that luchadors. Latino wrestlers didn't become like big stars until like WCW. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? Like when Rey yes. Mysterio or stuff yes. like that. I mean, you had the Guerreros and Black Gorman and the guys that, that kind of became Mil Mascaras or even, I mean, because I mean, it's like everybody goes 
it was Mel Mascaras, and then it was Rey Mysterio Jr. and the WCW Luchadors. And that's basically it. Now, what's going on with the guys, you know... Absolutely. You know, Alberto Patron, Andrade, Rush, all those guys, Bandito, all those guys. But it's like, nobody realizes that uh, before even Mil Mascaras, Black Shadow was a pretty big star in uh, in, in, in Texas. Uh, Medico, uh, Assassino Medico Assassino was a huge star. In Paul Bosch yeah. always said that he was like a guaranteed box office, the Medico Assassino. And Paul Bosch is one of the few American promoters who saw the value in not just using say, Mil Mascaris or Dos Caras, he used an array of guys like Gran Marcus. Yeah. Uh, well, Gran Marcus became a huge star from there, too. Like, exactly. That, that exactly. Was like his, that's and, why, and that's why, like, like, like Gran Marcus is thought of the first one, um, kind of like a bigger star in Texas, in like in people's like minds. Mm-hmm. And, and the Mexico, they kind of, ah, he, he was good. Mm-hmm. But no, he was actually just as good in Mexico, too. He's like, if you add it all together, he was a big star. Like, Absolutely. It's not as far as an international star. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, when I, as I'm doing research, it's just fascinating to see, uh, you know, I, I, promoters from the 20s and 30s, uh, like uh, John McIntosh, were much more progressive than the promoters here in California because that's where Charo Aguayo got his start. Yeah. It was in McIntosh's promotion. And uh, for people who don't know Aguayo, he was one of the first huge Mexican stars he was, in Mexico. He was Hispanic, right? He was Latin. He was born here. He was born here in L.A. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's one of the things that we are very curious about uh, is we are doing research, finding, you know, he, he was born here in L.A., he actually has a son who uh, lives here in the South, not a son, a grandson who lives in the Southland here. Yeah. And we're trying to figure... The, like, the best way to reach him. Well, well, no, no, well, we're trying to figure out why was Aguayo not a huge focus here in L.A.? He did yeah. appear here on and off for a number of years, but his star shone in Texas yeah. and Mexico. Yeah. And... You know, and, and we're just, you know, there's probably a lot we think we know that we don't know and a lot we know we don't know that we want to find out. And the cool and thing I, about Rock Rims is he's he's a guy who isn't spouting out answers. He's always asking questions. Yeah. He's always learning something. And, uh, you know, if I find that I'm half-assed decent at working with him and writing a book, you know, hey, maybe we will do the project <laughs> because one of the things we are going to focus on is the local Lucha Libre community. And Ooh. as I'm as I'm talking to people like Superboy and uh, going to be interviewing, you know, a lot of the local boys who go back to the 1970s, the Arena Center days, which was started like around 74. And... Uh, as I am, are you gonna write down the questions? Because like you can, you're gonna start talking about all this weird stuff. <laughs> you know what I mean? You go off. Topic. Oh, hell. No, 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 no. I'm, I don't, okay, I'm gonna videotape these interviews with the guys because when I start asking the weird stuff, I want to see the expression on their faces. Like, what planet is this cat? You're gonna on? be like, you're gonna be like, um, what was it like in, in L.A. at the time? How was the scene? And then they'll give you an answer like. Like, remember that time we went and we were backstage and you suddenly so-and-so came out naked and scared everybody? Remember the arena peril why with a big bucket of piss yeah. since there was no restroom yes. for the wrestlers you could, to use? If you interview, ah, you, you ah, could ask little Cholo if he still remembers that. Oh, God, yes, yes. I remember how, how the smart wrestlers never put their uh, gym bags on the floor. They always put them on chairs in case it tipped over. I remember when I came in, I was like, what if I... Do, what? And I, I, I went in and I made the comment like, 
like, man, what if I tip this over? Like, I could be the one person that tips it over, and I'm, like, I'm not coming back. I think I told you, I'll see you later, Kurt. <laughs> I'm not coming back in here. Because be little who... Cholo and everybody else heard me, like, uh, and they were laughing, but I was like, yeah. Was like, I wasn't saying because I was like, what if this happens? Oh, believe like... me, I'm going to ask questions like that. Yeah. You know it. You know it. I don't know if I'm going to use it. Well, but one of the things is I'm, I think I – think, uh, uh, Rock and I will both be conducting enough interviews with local boys that, you know, and we'll probably be, you know, I don't know how we're constructing it yet. Even he told me, said, you know, we're still yeah. going to, it's going to be a learning process figuring how much we focus on one area and who we're focusing on. But uh, if, if I'm half-assed good at this, I would love to do a whole book covering the local Lucha community because it is a unique series, but I'm not even thinking that worst, far ahead now. Worst case scenario, we write a book and just call it the 100 greatest luchadors of all time. Yeah. <laughs> that's, to me, that's easier as a list. Like, yes. And I've already done a few lists, but to me, that's a that's a yes. website list because you don't want to... Like, and no, I would no. The only way I would do that is if I could find... like put stats in there like included in that yeah. in the book not in like if it's just a list well it's a time I to just do it because remember how remember how 30 years ago if somebody did the 100 greatest luchadores Tito Santana would Tito probably Santana, be yes. on the top 10 well, you know I told you like when I started doing the list for uh, for lucha there's gonna be another, I, I'm doing a list of greatest tag teams of all time mm-hmm. this is people listening to this podcast can know can will be the first because I know you did you know and a couple other people know I just never got around to work on it. I, I have the list. Mm-hmm. I've already started writing a few of the name, the teams. Um, but one of the reasons I started doing it is like I would go, I started going, for whatever reason that came in my head, it's like, because you know you have the rock and roll, lit, the yeah. best songs, and you look yes. at that. Rolling Stone even did redid their whole top, I think it was top 100 or top 500 songs. 100, I think, I think it is, isn't it? No, I think it's 500. Was it 500? I think it might okay. be 500. Might be 100. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's 500 because I, I know I kept clicking on on because they, they revised it. They revised <laughs> right. it. Right. And so... I was like, you know, and I like I like watch I like reading lists just because I get to learn something. They're not great, but you learn something. The problem with wrestling lists is that, oh my god, people always have more than one person included in it, so there's a vote, mm-hmm. and the list for tag teams is horrible. Okay, there's basically maybe one Mexican tag team, which of course isn't Mexican because it's basically just uh, uh, this is from. Prior to this year, I think if they did it now, they'd probably throw mm-hmm. in the Lucha Brothers. Uh, but it's usually <laughs> just Gringos Locos, um, yeah. Eddie Guerrero, and, and Love Machine. They don't even put in like probably like the, the the the. They don't even bother any other team. And Japan, I think the only I think there was one list where the only Japanese tag team might have been um, Hanson and Brody or Han, or, or Gordy and and Do- and uh, Doctor <laughs> Death. Uh-huh. No Japanese tag teams. Right. Wow. And then wow. worse, they have teams like Billy and Chuck. Are you serious? Yeah. Are they hot? APA. Um, I can't, like, not even teams that are, like, that have been around for a long stretch of time. And I'm like, man, this is really bad. There's so whenever I say like, out there. I go, there's got to be a pretty good, a better list. Well, one of the things I'm looking forward with this project is if you're going to talk about tag teams, the one that we're going to be looking into probably most in depth in Unless there's something I'm forgetting is uh, Black Gordon and Goliath. Yeah. And uh, I was watching. I there's lots of matches involving Gordman and lots of matches involving Goliath, but I didn't realize how little is, there is of them as a tag team. There's one from them in Japan, no? There's one <laughs> in Japan, but but to show the one to show the brilliance of their tag team is 
there's uh, the match where Roddy Piper was under the hood as the Canadian and he's teaming with Chavo Guerrero wrestling Gordon and Goliath. Just watching them work their craft. You know, they were a little past their prime, but still, uh, I mean, they're, they're, a, they're necessary homework if you want to be a heel and I, want I to think, get over as a heel. I think one of those tag team lists I found had Gordon and Goliath on it. Mm-hmm. But they were behind. I was gonna think of like oh, the God. worst team possible. Billy and Chuck. <laughs> Billy and Chuck. <laughs> <laughs> Those are fighting words. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, uh, this is still in the. Uh, uh, this is still just in the sticks and stones still. building. You know, building the the construction of this project. Has, has Rock told you how long it takes for um, the, how long it took him for the other books to get? He has, but yeah. you know he, he, me very it might well. Go, it might go a little longer with this one. It, it's hard to tell. No, yeah. it's hard to tell with each one. Yeah. But I, he he's a guy who sets really good goals. And yeah. so... Uh, 2025. Well, I just want to thank him for thinking of me on this and asking me. And uh, I'm excited because I, I'm going to learn the whole process of uh, publishing something. You know. Hey, I made it on a book recently. What book did you make? The Jericho always? book. That's cool. Yeah. Remember I told you about it. I don't remember. I'm getting old. The the list, the top 10 list. I think you were you and maybe two other people I might have told that I was doing the and then everybody's like you did a you were you contributed to that book. I go, yeah. But you know, I forgot to mention it. Oh, was this through Alex Marvez? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yes, yeah. yes, yes. Yeah, I forgot to t- bring it up because I was going through the whole thing with my dad. His health issues and, and then him passing away and all that. I am so sorry. Yeah, so it was kind of it was kind of it was kind of like um it wasn't me like being depressed or anything it was it was always something well there's something to take care of yeah, yeah, yeah your father passed away in the time of covid and yeah that yeah. made that complicated yeah. things and i just it took, a personal us, note, took us like three to four months to like bury him so and person and on a personal note i just want to say your dad was an awesome guy yeah really and that's enjoyed. everybody our neighborhood our neighborhood that's all they talk about like oh, like they, they all think he was everybody's like everybody's talked yeah, to us your whole family's awesome yeah. you gotta you, i don't know about my sister <laughs> if it were not for yeah, sister, yeah. you and I would have yeah. never. Met. I was telling I was telling a couple of people at a, at a bar that I go hang out. I w- they were asking me something. Go, oh no! Um, I go. I told them. I go. Well, you know, Judy. Um, most of the people that I met end up being like best friends and stuff. Mm-hmm. So like that's why I kind of connect with the people that that she like. Oh, I'll never forget it. It uh, not everyone because a lot of some of the people I just don't like that she knows. But oh, hell for yeah. the most part, you gotta be. Selective. I would say for the most part, the ones that are cool, I you gotta cultivate it, dude. Yeah. You gotta cultivate yeah. it. Yeah. No, I I worked with her. I think it was in 1997. We were yeah. both a teachers' aides in a special ed class, and uh, Fredo loves when I say. Uh, like, oh, I met this girl named Judy. Oh, my God, is she a beautiful woman? Oh, my God, she's gorgeous. You know, he loves hearing people talk about that. <laughs> no, but we, but your sister and I became fast buddies. Yeah. And when she discovered how into wrestling I am, she says, you have to meet my brother. And then when I, when she finally said your brother's name, it dawned on me. I saw your name in the Wrestling Observer yeah, occasionally, yeah, yeah. in the letters pages and in the thanks to yeah. areas. Yeah, so, you know, uh, we always have to thank Judy for yeah. it. And, uh, and that's it. And that's it. Oh, no, but um, he's awesome. But, um, but, but it, it, it took so long also when it came out because, you know, books take a while once they're like publishing them and all that. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I really didn't think about it. I was just tripped out that it actually they actually sent me a, a free copy, which you know I thought. Oh, was even cool. better! Yeah, 
So you, usually they usually they give you a surcharge yeah, for they, putting they, a name. Yeah, they forget. Knowing about wrestling, it. they try to yeah. charge you, saying, "Yeah, we, you have the honor of being our book, so yeah. you have to pay us." It was cool. I mean, I enjoyed doing it. I got to watch some Chris Jericho matches. Um, which he was pretty good. good back then too. He's he, still good. I mean, he was good. one of the first wrestlers who, when he hit it big in America, would actually on web web pages yeah. talk about people who he learned from, and he always brought up the guys in Mexico. And he still, yeah, and he yeah. the book basically talks about the guys like who he learned a lot from yeah. Nero Casas. Yeah, who's the one that told him to do like just move on when you make a mistake, just move on to the next thing. Don't don't yes. um, don't dwell on it. Uh, but it was funny because I also met a person at a, at 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 the bar I hang out at, um, who actually is the lead singer of another group, mm-hmm. and they toured with Fozzie. So it was oh uh, it was gosh, very you were it was telling me yeah about it was that. very it was very That's funny. cool. Yeah, he's a really nice guy too. I love those little yeah. six degree of separation yeah. meetings that you yeah. have with people. Yeah. where... <laughs> yeah, he's. I told him, hey, I know because he's like he's like you know that wrestler Chris Jericho, and I go yeah, and he's like I go Fozzie, and he's like yeah, we toured with him. I said, yeah, I was like. I immediately social distance from him. <laughs> you know, Jericho's part of the whole uh, Trump. You know, that's the other thing. Like, like um, it happened also with Cornette. Like, like whenever people ask me to do stuff, like to like um, appear on podcast or do mm-hmm. could help in something. If I know too much about the person, like their political stuff, I don't really want to know about it. I have a hard time dealing with it. And I don't want to, maybe I don't want to be part of it. Or it's not even, like, Cornette is very liberal, which is weird. I just don't like his his wrestling Oh, oh, I'm, I'm, you know. And the tone, the tone he uses. The tone he uses. See, I'm very liberal, too. And, uh, yeah, I I, I don't get off on the way he. Yeah, like when he gets mad at somebody. He gets too extreme. He gets too too extreme. And like I said, some of his sentiments about how wrestling is run I will agree with but I'm not angry about it and you know we have to accept not everybody thinks the way we yeah. do and we shouldn't all be it doesn't do anybody any good to be pissed off about yeah. it yeah 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 absolutely so anyway um, I don't want to say too much more about it only because yeah I, I, well of course people who know me know me that I'm going to be tunnel visioning on Jimmy El Pulpo and I uh, have been watching whatever material there is on Vincent Lopez, and uh, have you been going through the magazines, your Lucha magazines? There might be some LA stuff. There, in fact, I want to find some of the early '70s because they did cover Arena Center for a while, mm-hmm. not for a long time, but they did. They have a. There's a, one of the Lucha Libre magazines has a feature on um, Jalisco. Yeah. Oh, for a period of time, Lucha the Lucha Libre magazine. They must have had some connection when they started, I think it was in 80 to 82. Yeah, because they, they talk a lot about the, the like Chris Adams going back and forth. Yes, and they also they also would have some of the local boys on the cover, uh, Falcon de Oro. Yes. Who was, yeah, remember that? He was <laughs> yeah. on the cover. And you're like, well, Mr. Pepto made it later in and, the later uh, years. And who was at Terremoto Quintero. Yeah. Uh, a lot of those guys, and uh, I think that had something to do with they were r- running shows at the Olympic Auditorium mm. every couple of weeks for a while, and I kind of wonder if they thought it was going to sprout into something larger. Yeah. Well, that's something else we want to know about. We we have a lot of questions, yeah. and yeah. Know, I'm very curious. So, uh, just are, you, are, are you guys only focusing on the local luchadors? Like, well, no, because you're also mentioning like, Charo, like guys who went to Mexico and came back. Yeah, right? yeah. Well, I think we're focusing on guys who had some involvement. Impact, an impact. In, an uh, impact here. Mm. Uh, and in Charo Aguayo's case, 
why did he make such an impact in Texas but not here in California? Yeah. And uh, so, no, we're covering... Colosetti also was... Colosetti, uh, oh God, yeah. Ciancara is basically started... Ciancaras. Started in L.A., I think, as far as being a star. Yeah, he was uh, 77. I think he went from Guadalajara... And instead of going directly to Mexico City, mm-hmm. he went to. Um, he, they sent him to L.A. He was in L.A. Uh, yeah. Held, I think, he held the tag titles of Victor Rivera. Yeah. And no, there's there. God, it's just like there's a whole candy store to. Explore Will there be here. anything on Aluche? <laughs> <laughs> well, he has appeared in California. Yeah, he has uh, appeared. Can't guarantee it, but um, I, I mean, I mean, we're going, like, we're going to present day. You're um, like, you're I, like, you're like, but then we have to write about Tinieblas. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's how. I, that's when I, the very first time I saw Negro Casas was a turning point in my uh, fandom because he was an eight man tag, and what what made me think I've just watched a genius was he did some spots with Tinieblas Senior. And he actually made Tinieblas Senior look, like, good. Yeah. I mean, and I just thought, this this guy's amazing. I just yeah. knew this is a turning point. Um, um, I, I interviewed uh, Joey Chaos and uh, Jezebel recently. Mm-hmm. So we're going every everyone from, uh, you know... Latinos who kind of grew up on WWE and ones who grew up on Lucha. I, we're going to try to hit every little uh, nook and cranny we That's can. Cool. So, so thank you, Rock, for. Uh, so I guess I should plug. I'll plug the the stuff. Yes. Check out luchaworld.com. Absolutely. Retrowrestling.com. Yes. Uh, what the Patreon Lucha World Patreon Patreon.com slash Lucha World. Uh, what else is there? The YouTube channel Retro Wrestling YouTube channel. Absolutely. Um, and the next Lucha Classica that I will be putting up on Patreon I think I might make it it might be free or I might just keep it on Patreon um, there will be some talk of El Santo he did an interview in um, for a magazine in 1962 I can't remember if it was obviously it's either Boxy Lucha or another Boxy Lucha um, where he um, he ranked his top five matches no way at that point in his career I look forward to that. So we'll be talking about that. I look forward to that. And you know, it's kind of funny because I was thinking maybe I should do something where I talk about his greatest matches, but then there's so much that still has to be uncovered, like the 70s. I mean, obviously, those there's the five matches he mentions, and then like if you go later on in his career, there's the Aguayo match, mm-hmm. the Bobby Lee match, yes, his retirement match. Mm-hmm. But then you're looking, what about all this other stuff? Is there other stuff that... Because I'm sure he was in a lot of There's amazing tag a lot. matches. I mean, that guy had such... Not just because he was the most popular yeah. in, uh, wrestler of all time in Mexico, but what just what a storied career that guy has had. I mean, I'd be, you know, I'd be curious if there will ever be a point where somebody will finally be able to have so much information on Lucha where they could actually just, like, do nonstop, like, give you, like, who had the... Because, like, people ask me, like, all the time, what was the greatest match in Lucha Libre? It's like, I don't know. <laughs> like, yeah. To me, to me, the great and, and, and plus, plus our top five greatest matches will be from like the eighties forward because exactly. I mean you don't go based, but like to me, the greatest match all time in in Mexico is probably the the Black Shadow Santo match. That would be the biggest match and, of all and, time. And it, oh my god! And don't you just want to scream when you know it was uh, televised on Kinescope, but is lost not, to the yeah, ages? Yeah. Oh my god! Yeah. So it's like it's like that would to me is the biggest match. But then you're like then. Oh, it's that match, and then oh, it's uh, uh, whatever the most recent matches, Viano three versus Atlantis, <laughs> exactly. Um, which those which matches are, yeah, that's, that's a classic. Yeah. Um, the the Gringos Locos versus Octagon and Hijo Santo, 
uh, Casas versus Santo in LA. Um, although that's not in Mexico, but as far as Lucha Libre, that's probably one of the yeah, greatest and, matches. And when you see footage, what f- little footage exists from the 60s and 70s, you could tell like there was some awesome shit out there. Yeah, there so was you, some really amazing, and it was totally different than today's, but you know there were some yeah, matches so, that were screaming that we and can't. And so you basically have to go based off what they what people write on magazines, and then... But to do that, you have to go through all the magazines, all this other information. So it's like it's not something that's going to be done overnight. No, 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 no. <laughs> I mean, I mean, like, like I've told you before, I'll have one of these old boxy luchas from 1967, and I'll spend an entire evening because you know me. I just don't like looking at main events. I look like looking at all the small towns, yeah. the the regional stars in different places. I mean, Acapulco. Uh, the name is escaping at the moment, but there was, there was a wrestler there in the 60s, and now, like, his great-grandchildren are involved in the local scene there. Is it Black Silver? No. Because those guys, there's I'm a bunch of... I'm going to be embarrassed. <laughs> there's I'm a bunch gonna... of Black Silver. You, as soon you as saw I... that Black Silver, Black Silver Jr. I think there's an Ehud at Black Silver. Because <laughs> as soon as I leave and go about my stuff, I'm going to remember his name is right it, away. Is it Aspirantito? I think it's Apollo something. Oh, okay. you know, one of the, uh, you oh Apollo Torres? No, not no. him. Oh, okay. I, I, I get it, to make a fool out of myself twice in a day. Or no, no what, I'm sure I've done it. What I like times. is, like, like to me, like, looking up an old magazine mm-hmm. and you find out that, like, Danny McShane was a big deal in, in, in Mexico. Huge uh, in Mexico. Ricky. Ampero Firpo is Rasputin. Yeah, um... Ricky Starr feuding with uh, yes. Paraguayo. Yes. I mean, toward the end of his career. Yeah, and I was like, and you know, it's weird because I see them and I'm like, is that because he's he's bald in the magazine? I'm like, mm-hmm. is that Ricky Starr? Because to me, Ricky Starr was like young. The the only time, the few times I seen him, he was kind of young and still had hair. And then, but then when I look at him, there's pictures online where he's older and still wrestling. It's like well, it really is him. It is, and he's. Yeah. And remember, he was doing a Fu Manchu. Yeah, yeah, and that's why I was like, "Oh, he has a Fu Manchu." Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's what that's what I find interesting. Like, like all the oh, all the. Man. And if you look, if you look on the super shows, of the early Luderos days in the 1930s, you'll see an American name you've never seen before, and four out of five times you'll find they had a history somewhere else. I mean, yeah. it. It's, Studying Mexico is like just—it is a never-ending gift. I think the only the the only thing you have to worry you have to double check when you look at lucha magazines is like if they start start telling like a, a story about somebody, you have to make sure like it's the right person they're talking about because they've done a few I've seen a few features where they're talking about the wrong person. Yes, and um, you also have to make sure that. Um, uh, well, with Lucha Libre magazine, like the results sometimes are a little bit off, but yes, you know, for well, the most part, Lu- Lucha Libre magazine, you also a lot of bullshit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Lucha Libre magazine is is cool for because it it kind of has this cool kitschy art yeah. feel to it, but they were kind of like the actor mags of the day. Uh, I, I was all excited, and this is long time ago when I first knew Rock Rims. I was all excited because I found a magazine that had a feature on Vincent Lopez, mm. and I translated like the first couple of paragraphs, and he knew more about Vincent Lopez than I did, and he pretty much told me that's a total work. Nothing if there is true. Yeah, see, <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah, and and that's what you're you're like you're reading it because I know like there's been a few times where I'll find something, and it's like that's not um so and so because I remember the. 
that time period and he wasn't in Mexico or it, it was totally like him just yes. fake. Yes. Like some of the stuff is fake. Um, though, though, the, the year I find very interesting and it's not just in Lucha, it's um, 1982. But if you add Lucha mm-hmm. and Japan to it, to everything, because I know there's people that talk about the U.S. stuff, mm-hmm. but if you add what happened in, in Lucha, in Mexico and in, and in um, Japan mm-hmm. and even like there's stuff from England, I mean, I think you could do like an entire podcast just dedicated to 1982 Easily. because there's so much stuff Easily. like just on Ric Flair, all the places he's, he mm-hmm. went and all the places he didn't go because that was the year he was going to go to Mexico, remember? That's right. For, for, uh, that's for right. EMLL. And then you also have Santos Retirement. So I think that's I, that's my next project. I want to finish everything oh, 1982 cool. and then I want to like cool. my, my next project after my other projects. <laughs> Un- unfinished. Well, even, uh, let's just say this is the only book I'm ever involved in you do have to write a book because you have just too much good material not to. That's my opinion, and I'm sticking with it. Well, hopefully someday. Yes. Well, anyways, uh, we must get running. Uh, this has been a blast. It's been way too long. And uh, until next time, which might be next week, next month, or five months, we don't know, but we shall return ASAP. It was good hanging with you cats. <laughs>